away. Well, let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he says, if I have sworn in my wrath, I, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, I'm not going to go through this whole uh, chapter in Hebrews 4. We've preached on this before. But one of the comparisons that the Bible uses of a person getting saved is entering into his rest. A person, when they get saved, especially a Jewish person, this is written to the Hebrews, if they were going to get saved, what did they need to do? They needed to cease from their labors. They needed to cease trying to get to heaven through their works, through the works of the law, and they were supposed to just trust in Jesus Christ. They're basically, uh, when a person gets saved and they believe on Christ, is they are just resting in him. They're just completely relying on what he did to get them to heaven and completely repenting of anything that they were trying to achieve on their own. They've recognized the fact that they're sinful. They've recognized the fact that they can't be good enough to get to heaven. And so they've just decided, you know what, I'm just going to trust in the mercies of God. I believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross paid for my sins. I believe he died, was buried, and rose again. I'm trusting in that. That's what a person's got to do to be saved, but often... People, they can't seem to enter into that rest, can they? They can't seem to just stop. You know, there's just something in them. And you know this, especially if you're a soul winner. People want to work for it. They're like, you know, I can't just do nothing. I mean, have you ever heard people say that? Well, I know salvation is not a works, but you can't just do nothing. You know, you got to do something, right? But, you know, the truth is, no, you have to do nothing. You have to do nothing. You've got to just rest. You've got to trust. And you see, here's the thing, too. That takes faith. I had a, I had a, uh, it was a nice conversation uh, with a Calvinist fellow this week. And I know that might sound kind of weird, but he was, he was an old uh, Calvinist guy who had, he had listened to my message on the pre-wrath rapture. And he agreed with it. And so he was calling me about that. But then he you know, got on the subject of Calvinism. And we didn't, weren't agreeing there. And, um, you know, and one of the things, I, you know, he was trying to explain to me how, you know, if you have to believe, if you have to call on the Lord, if you have to say a sinner's prayer, if you have to do all these things, you know, that's works. That's you saving yourself. And I'm trying to explain to him how, no, that's, that's not it at all. Because the Bible does tell us to believe. You know, the Bible did rebuke people for not believing, for not trusting in him. The Bible does tell us we need to have faith. And the Bible also teaches Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, we can't please God by our works, but we can please him with our faith. And that is something where we have a choice to do that. And it is it does take faith to just say, there's nothing I can do when it comes to my salvation. I'm just going to trust in God. I mean, folks, y'all realize that there is a hell out there. There is a real, literal, eternal hell. And the way that you, we have decided... That the only way to get out of hell is by really doing nothing, by just trusting in Christ. And it's like, but there's a hell out there. You know, we've got to do something. No, God's telling us do nothing. That actually takes faith. Y'all understand that? That takes faith to do nothing and just trust him. It's kind of like when Moses said, you know, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, when they were backed up against the Red Sea, they had no place to go. They have Pharaoh's army in front of them, the sea behind them. 
There's nothing they could do. But you know what? God did something for them. God did something for them. God made a way for them. And what we've got to realize about salvation, there's nothing we can do. And therefore, we just need to do nothing. We need to just rest. But did you know that if, you know, when you're backed up against the Red Sea, what's easier? Doing nothing or panicking? It would be easier to panic. It would be easier to just reject what Moses said when he's telling them to stand still. And it would be easy to just go and do whatever you could to try to fight Pharaoh's armies. That would be easier than just standing there. Okay? It, it, it's, it, that takes a lot of faith. And so one of the reasons I think we struggle with this, you know, when it comes to resting, is just because I think part of it's our culture. Okay? We are a fast-paced culture. And what I really want to preach about today is just knowing when to rest. Because not only are we supposed to rest when it comes to our salvation, and I've got you all going with that because I know you all agree with me on that, but sometimes when it comes to other things in life, we just need to rest and do nothing and trust God. Okay? And that's hard. It, it is, that is often the harder thing to do, to just rest and to just trust in God. That is often a very difficult thing to do. And as Americans, you know, we just, it's, it's not a part of our culture to stop and smell the roses. Okay? We don't do that. We're always on the go. In fact, in America, we pride ourselves in how busy we are. You know, every woman, when she writes a Christmas letter, you know, to the family describing their last year, it's always busy, 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 right? It's like a status thing to be busy. Oh, you know, Johnny's in T-ball and Susie's in ballet. And, you know, they got to talk about all the activities and things that they have in their life. That's their way of showing everybody, I've got purpose, I've got meaning. Look at how busy we are. Okay? That, that's, that's our culture, folks. We brag on that kind of thing. And, you know, it is, people like to use that word. Because they, they want everyone to know we're not like those low lives out there that just sit around with nothing to do all day. You know, people whose lives are so pathetic they have nothing better to do but watch other people doing stuff so they can call the cops on them. Right? You know, none of us are like that. You know, we're all too busy. You know, and, you know, if we see our neighbors having a good time at a party, you know what? If my neighbor fills their driveway up tomorrow with cars and they're having a birthday party or something, I'm not calling the cops. I'm not going to, you know. I'm, not, you know, I'm too busy. You know, I got better things to do, right? No, that that you know, we don't want to be like that low life, always calling the cops on everybody. You know, and that's typically uh, you know a pretty common thing that we see amongst the low life crowd is calling cops and uh, just trying to stir problems up for people. And nobody wants to be like them. And we do. We always picture those people that people just sit around, collect welfare, you know, don't have a job, playing video games all day. That's how we picture those people, isn't it? So what we do. You know, we pride ourselves, and we're just busy. We're on the go. We've got things to do. And the truth is, I believe God wants us as Christians and just as human beings, God wants rest to be a part of our life. God wants us to be a people who take the time to relax and just think about the things of God. And that's hard for us as Americans because that's not our culture. And the thing is, too, even, you know, because we're a fast-paced society, we're always on the go. We want to get places fast. But even when we stop physically, how do we relax? We usually relax with a cell phone in front of our face, with a television in front of our face. You know, that's how we typically relax. I mean, you know, you watch TV until you just can't stay awake anymore. We don't stop and just think. People don't just stop and talk and relax and, 
you know, enjoy the sunshine. And, you know, we've heard from Trump just how good those UV rays are for you. And, you know, and I, I recommend that. Don't drink any disinfectants or anything like that. Probably not a real good idea. But, you know, being as busy as we are, it's not good. It's not healthy. And, you know, what's funny is we all sometimes, you know, say, you know, I just wish things would slow down, right? Especially the lady writing the Christmas letter trying to tell everybody how busy and how important they are. You know, oh, I just wish things would slow down for us. No, they don't. Right? You know, we don't wish things would slow down for us. Part, part of the proof of that is everything has slowed down for us. We're all upset about it. <laughs> you know, we're just like, hey, you know, and, and listen, I, I don't think I'm defending the government right now. But let's just admit it. It's also a part of our culture. We talk about how busy we are. We wish things would slow down. Things have slowed down. And now we're like, how dare they? You know, let's I want I want the busyness back. I want the and, you know, I'm just going to admit it. I do want the busyness back. I do want the chaos back. You know, I like it better, you know, than, than what we've got going on right now. But, you know, and the thing is, it's not a sin to be busy. It's not a sin that, you know, have a fast-paced life and to try to do a lot and try to accomplish a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a sin to do that. But at the same time, I do believe we need to learn every once in a while to just stop and smell the roses. We ought to be able to just rest a little bit and learn how to just relax and chill. These are, these are all important things. And what I want, to, I want to talk about, you know, why we need to learn how to rest. Because there are many times when we're going to need to. And even when it comes to the current situation that we're in, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm ready for the revolution. I'm ready to take up arms. I'm ready to march on the Capitol. You know, whatever gets going, I'm ready. I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm ready to do it. I, I'm, I'm planning on going to Chicago. I think it's this, that's this week, right? Yeah, this week. You know, I'm planning. What am I going to do when I'm there? I don't know. <laughs> you know, what, what do you think you're going to accomplish if you go to the protest? I don't know. But it's, going to, it's doing something. It's going to make me feel a little better, hopefully. You know, I might just do like the Jews and stir up some lewd fellows of the baser sort and get them to do my dirty work for me, you know, that I don't want to do because I don't want to trash my reputation. You know, I don't know. I might do something like that. You know, I might I might go look for the info warriors that are out there and the tinfoil hat wearing people and try to get them stirred up a little bit more. So maybe they'll do something crazy. And then I'll just be there with my video camera. Just you know, I'm just I'm here as press just capturing these moments, you know, but, uh, you know. At the same time, while I'm probably going to do some of that this week, at the end of the day, when it comes to what we have going on, you know, it, very, it may very well be what we need to just do a little bit. What God may want us to do is just rest. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to stand here today and just proclaim to you that that is where we need to be, what God has called us to do. I'm really telling you that this, you need to watch this as an individual because that may be what God wants you to do. You know, you've got people, cause, and this is where this is, this is tough. You know, you've got the people that are out there, you know, the worthless Christians that are just like, you know, I'm just going to trust the Lord for everything. You know, I'm just going to trust the Lord to get my community saved. But they won't go knock, you know, it's like, well, why don't you go knock some doors? Why don't you go souling with us? I'm just going to trust the Lord to get them saved. God wants you to get them saved. You know, you know there's those people out there like that. They just want to trust the Lord for everything. I'm not going to go to work. I'm just going to trust the Lord to provide for my family. Hey, God called you to provide for your family. There are some things that God has called us to do, and you better believe that there is a time for action. When it comes to salvation, that's not a time for action. That's a time for trust. But when it comes to providing for your family, that's a time for action. That's a call to action. There's a lot of things. You know, if somebody breaks into my house and starts trying to hurt my family, I'm not just going to pray at that moment. I'm going to pray as I'm getting ready to, you know, blow their head off. That's what I'm going to do. 
You know, I'm going to, uh, you know, there, there is a time for action, but there's going to be some times when there's, there's nothing you can do. And, you know, when it comes to a lot of the stuff going on in our government, you know, there's really not much we can do. None of us have been elected to anything. You know, we're not, we don't hold in the office. We have no power, you know, and elections have consequences. You know, I'm just praying that, you know, maybe because we're supposed to have like a balance of powers, you know, and I'm wondering where the legislative branch is of the Illinois government, you know, and I'm hoping, and I've heard there's some things in the works that they're trying to stop some things that Pritzker's doing, but then, you know, it's going to go to the judicial part of the government. I don't know if they're any good either. I'm hoping they make some good decisions, and I'm hoping it gets handled on a state level, because if it doesn't, you know, it's going to go to Supreme Court, and that could take months. They were, I heard them talking about on the radio. Some of these things will take years before, and, you know, I don't want to sit around waiting for years, but that may be what happens. And so sometimes we just need to realize, you know, here's a situation where I'm powerless. I'm just going to give this to God. I'm just going to turn this. I'm, you know what? I'm going to cast my care upon him because he cares. Because, I mean, think about this, too. When it comes to a lot of this stuff, I'm not telling you that you can't go to a protest. I encourage, I'd encourage that kind of thing in this situation. I'm not saying that, you know, you can't, you know, do a Facebook post or make a YouTube video or do something to try to influence people and try to help change public perspective and things like that. You know, I, it, it bothers me that, you know, our society is so brainwashed that there are people, you know, turning in churches, calling the cops on. That's pretty sad. You know, that needs to change, okay? Public, public perception needs to change. We need to get back to a society where snitches get stitches. You know, that's, a, that, that's better, especially when they're snitching on stuff that's not hurting anybody. You know, why doesn't somebody talk about what goes over in that parking lot all the time over there by the school? There's constantly cars meeting up over there in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, no matter what time. There's always cars meeting up in that parking lot over there. I'm thinking that's a drug transfer spot. How come nobody's calling the cops on them? Why aren't you calling the cops, brother? Because I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know for sure. It's none of my business. not my jurisdiction. If I actually see something, you know, that could act, it's actually harmful, you know, I might do something. But at the same time, too, is it harmful to go to church? You know, but that's the, you know, that's, that's the brainwashed society we have. There's a lot of brain-dead people in this country that cannot think and that their only method of thinking is watching a television and just repeating back whatever the programming told them to repeat back. That is a big part of our society today. And we need to, we, you know, we need to be above that. We need to be better than that. And so uh, let, I want us to look at a few scriptures and just kind of about resting because, you know, these times of rest, these are something God wants us to have in our life. These help us, they give us an opportunity to focus on God. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 20. And verse 7, this is where we have one of the Ten Commandments of remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And understand, we don't keep the Sabbath as a ceremonial thing, and, but at the same time, God instituted a day of rest before the law, before the fall. We see God set the example where God rested from his labor. And it says in Exodus 20, verse 7, uh, or verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea 
and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So we see God set the example, and it's telling us to do the same thing as Christians. We ought to rest. And so what is the purpose of that rest? Why is God telling the people to rest? Well, I believe, one, I believe God wants us to take time to meditate on the things of God. We could preach a whole sermon just on meditation. And I'm not talking about like some weird yoga type meditation stuff, that, you know, some new age meditation type thing. But have you ever actually taken the time to just really meditate on the scripture and on the things of God? That's a great thing to do with the book of Proverbs. I've said this before. When you read the book of Proverbs, you don't want to just read through it. Okay? I'm not saying you can't do that. But it's good to actually think about those Proverbs and ponder on those a little bit and think about how those things would apply in your life. You can read pretty much any proverb, which you ought to do. When you read it, take the time to, first off, figure out what it's saying and then think about how you could apply that in your life. Think about times when you didn't apply that in your life and what happened. For example, like a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, how many times did you escalate a situation you know, by, you know, the wrong kind of words. You know, and how many times have you been able to diffuse a situation? By soft words, okay? And, you know, there's, you need to think about these things. You need to ponder on them a little bit, meditate. There's some real deep things in the Scriptures. There's many things that, you know, I've studied in the Bible where it's like I'm reading that passage and I just can't figure it out, and I just sometimes just kind of have to sit there. And I just, I think about it, you know? And I'm trying to just kind of get a grasp of it, I believe God wants us doing that kind of thing. And folks, we don't, that's not a part of our culture. We don't think. Okay? Proof that people don't think is the fact that the news media is still in business. It, that's proof that people don't think right there. Okay? Proof that people don't think is the fact that they will drive down the road in their car by themselves wearing a mask. They're not thinking. Okay? No, they don't understand things at all. They just know somebody told you, wear a mask. Okay. All right. In your car by yourself? It's like, they, they, they don't think. They're, they're, they've not meditated on anything. They, they, they hear the news media say something, and they don't stop for one second and think, what, what is the purpose of this? How does this make any sense? Why are they asking to do this? Do they have the right to this? You know, we don't, we don't think about things. We don't talk about stuff. You know, there, there's, there's a, you know, people used to, you know, discuss just moral things and, you know, you know, for, we were talking about it last night, you know, the whole idea of torture. Okay. You know, is it right? You know, is, should we torture somebody if they have information that could possibly save lives? You know, remember when that debate was going on back during the Bush administration? And, you know, supposedly our country doesn't torture and we're not supposed to torture. And I think that's a good law. I don't think, yeah, but if we don't torture this guy, thousands of people are going to die. Isn't that always the dilemma? You know, most people never thought, thought about these things. But at the end of the day, you've got to decide, hey, we need to judge righteously. We need to do that which is right. We don't want to ever take the chance of torturing somebody who's innocent. You know, that's why we have a process. We don't want to hang somebody that was innocent. So there's a process to it because we realize while we can't control what everyone else does, there's things that we can control what we do as individuals. We can control what we do as a government. So we're going to put certain laws in place. People never talked about that before. 
So, for example, too, most people have never thought about this idea of, well, does the government have the right or should the government shut down everything to stop a virus? Most people have never thought for a second, is this right? Is this even moral? Is this even legal? Most people have never even thought about that, not for one second. All they know is Anderson Cooper is telling them it's a good thing. You know, Anderson Cooper, because we know Anderson Cooper, who's a homo, he cares about sanitation. We know that he cares about health. But boy, you know, they'll they'll listen to that guy. The problem is they don't think. And it's just, it's not a part of our culture to think. It's not a part of our culture to sit and have deep conversations about things and to just, to, to actually think about stuff. And so because of that, we do, there's a lot of dumb stuff, but I do, I believe we need to take time to meditate on the things of God. I believe Sundays is a good day to say that, focus that on the Lord. We're going to focus that on the things of God. We're going to go to church that day. We're going to do things, uh, we're going to do the work of God. We're going to stay focused on the things of God. I'm not saying you can never do anything else on a Sunday. It, again, it's not like the Sabbath. It's not a ceremonial thing. We're not, but at the same time, as Christians, there ought to be a time in our life weekly where we are focused on the things of God. And I believe that was one of the purposes of the Sabbath. It says in Genesis 2, 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all the work that he had made. I personally think God wanted to just enjoy his creation a little bit. You know, it's okay if you go and you do some work, if you enjoy the fruit of that labor a little bit. I don't think it's wrong for you to go enjoy a nice dinner or just play a game of golf or go shooting at the shooting range, whatever it is that you're into. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing some of that. I mean, you did the work, you know, enjoy it. You know, we all like to just kind of kick back and, you know, enjoy the yard after it's all been mowed and everything's nice. You know, it's a good feeling, isn't it? You know, you did some work, you accomplished something, and you just want to sit back and you want to look at it a little bit. You know, it's okay to do that. God did that. That's what God did after God did all his labor. I think we ought to do some of that. It's, it's okay to enjoy the fruit of your labor. You know what? And if, if your thing too, we all like to make fun of video gamers. But, you know, if you did the work, you know what? You're allowed to have the rest. If that's your thing, I, I'm not going to go and just reprobate everybody that plays video games. All right? I, I think it... Now, I'll reprobate the guy that doesn't work and just plays video games all day. But, you know, if you're doing the work, you know what? I remember when the boys were were little, when we first moved out, I was doing, I was mowing yards and stuff. I worked those boys like Hebrew slaves. And I would pay them like 10, sometimes 20 bucks a day. And they did a lot of work. And they were thrilled with it. I really took advantage. You know, I was paying for all their food and house and you know, I mean, I know they're only 11 and 12 years old, but, you know, I, I, was, I was doing all that, too. But I remember they really wanted a Nintendo DS. You know, they wanted one of those really bad, you know. And, you know, and I've always let my boys play some games, even though I never wanted to raise that doughboy gamer type, you know. But, I, you know, I told them, it's like, hey, you guys are doing the work. You can play the video games. You know, you do the work. You, you earn that right. If that's how you want to relax, I'm for that. Okay, you know, that might be your way of enjoying the fruit of your labors. I made enough money, I'm able to pay all my bills, and I got some extra for a video game. I, I can't really condemn you for that, because I've got my stuff I like to do too. So I think, but I, I think too, though, 
not only weekly and regularly should you have some type of rest, I think it's good to take a vacation. You know, I think it would be good too, spiritually, you know, to even take a week to focus on the things of God. My whole life, our family, we always would take like a week to go to a conference, go to a camp meeting, revival meeting, things like that. You know, whenever we would go on vacations, we would always go visit other churches. One of the things that we have always done since we've got married is whenever we take a vacation, you know, we try to plan our vacations around different churches that we wanted to visit. And we've got to go to a lot of, you know, really neat churches that, you know, of, you know, a lot of big names and things that we'd always wanted to visit. And it was a great experience. You know, we've always made the things of God a part of what we do. And I think it's good to do that. I think, you know, I, I'm fine too. If you want to take a vacation and just go have a week of just nothing but fun stuff, nothing wrong with that too. But, you know, I think it'd be good if you can take a week and go do something spiritual. You know, go to, go to a conference or something like that. That's, that's really good. It gives you and your family a week where you're kind of focused on the things of God. You're around a whole bunch of other people of God. You're hearing preaching all week. You're doing soul winning during the week. I mean, these are great things. Spiritual things, but y'all understand you got you know these come with some rest. You know it come you got it you got to take the time for these things, and so our rest. This is a you know it's a time where we can uh, think about God. We can enjoy the fruit of our labors. You know it's a time when we can enjoy God's work. We can enjoy God's creation. In Psalms chapter eight verse one, it says, "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens." Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Okay, notice how he considered the work of his fingers, the moon and the stars. David probably actually took the time to go outside and just look at the stars and to look at the moon. How often do we do that type of thing? Okay. You know, and I mean, I should do it more. We, where we live too out in the country, some nights, I mean, the sky is just beautiful. You can really see everything real clearly. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to behold. We don't just go sit outside and lay down and look at the stars and talk about things. We, we don't. Okay. If the closest we ever get to thinking about stars is when we watch Star Wars or something, you know, that, that's all we do. And that's not helping us out spiritually. But I believe David did that kind of thing. And I, I believe that's one of the reasons David was able to write some of the beautiful psalms that he wrote. He had, take, he had some things in his heart. He had taken the time to just think about the wonders of God and to ponder and meditate on those things. And God gave him some great psalms that he was able to write as a result of it. So, you know, these are some reasons that we ought to labor. But also as Christians, we need to make a practice of resting and letting God work for us too. And we talked about salvation. You know, we are we know how we're supposed to just rest and let Jesus save us, but we should also learn to rest and trust Jesus to take care of the things that are beyond our control. And this is where it gets tough, okay? Because if you're like me, I'm ready for action, right? Okay? And we all get all bent out of shape at the people that are like that when it comes to getting saved. But, you know, as Christians... You know, that ought to be a lot, people who are saved, that ought to be easier for us to just trust God to handle things and they'll just leave it in his hands. Go over and turn over to Psalms chapter 73. And it is, it's, it's sometimes hard to know when to act and to know when not to act. And I believe the key to knowing the right time 
And I know what you all would love me to do, all right? If you're, you know, you're uh, typical new eye of beers, you want me to give you a list. Here's when you act, here's when you don't act, right? We all love the list, right? Wait do you see my list I got for tonight. But anyway, you know, the, and the reason I'm so down on the list is because the list, the, the letter is the opposite of the spirit. We're supposed to walk in the spirit, okay? When you walk, so when you're walking in the spirit, you don't always know everything that you're going to need to do for the rest of your life. But at that moment when you're in the spirit, you're going to know what the right thing is to do. How will I know? What, what can I check off to know that I'm in the, you know, it, it, no, 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 no. See, that, this is why I'm down on the list. This is, how, this is how people think. This isn't right. If you learn how to walk in the spirit, that's what's going to guide you. That's what's going to give you direction when things get complicated, when things are tough. When we're in a situation like we're in now, like there's, I've got a whole bunch of new trigger words now through this whole thing, you know, like social distancing, like comply, like essential. Uh, I, I can make a whole list of just new trigger words for me. Okay. But, uh, you know, at, at the same time, you know, there's, there's some good things that we can learn from this. There are some things that we've got to, uh, we've got to kind of get in our head. And I want, I want to show you this uh, passage uh, in Psalms chapter 73 because walking in the Spirit, this is what's going to help us get things right. This is what's going to help us know how to act is by walking in the Spirit. And that's hard to do sometimes. It's, it's hard to do. It's a lot easier to get in the flesh. But he says here, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are, are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people shall return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them, and they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Okay, so notice how everything that he's seeing here, I believe this is Asaph, yes, a Psalm of Asaph here, everything he's seeing here is what he sees in his eyes, what he's seeing with his eyes of flesh, and it's all against him. Everybody that's doing wicked and doing wrong, everything's going for them. Those who are doing right, things aren't going so good for us. It says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Things aren't going good for me. If I say I will speak thus, Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. So notice how he has a change of heart. He goes to the sanctuary of God. Now, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if maybe it was when he was there in a time of worship and a time of prayer. I don't know if maybe it was when he was hearing the scripture read and he's hearing about you know, the curses that are going to come upon them. But something happened when he went into the sanctuary where all of a sudden he starts considering something he hadn't considered before, and that is the end of a thing. And all of a sudden, it changed his heart. All of a sudden, he realized, man, I almost got myself in trouble. And it says, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment 
They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, and thou hast hold me up by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Asaph knew it was going to end good for him. But notice how this good man, this saved man, he almost got himself in trouble when he's looking at the wicked and he's seeing all that's going on and thinking, you know what, God's not doing things right. That's how he felt in his flesh, but something changed when he went to the sanctuary. Something changed when he got his heart right and he started thinking about the end. He started realizing, you know what, God's going to take care of these people and God's going to take care of me too. Once he got that in his head, all of a sudden now, not only is he at peace with what he needs to do because he knows he doesn't need to do anything, but no, he's actually, he actually got scared for himself because he's like, man, I almost got myself in trouble. And how many have ever been there before where you like, you almost lost your temper, you almost did something, you almost said something, and then later you're just like, man, I'm really glad I didn't do that. I'm really glad I didn't let my flesh get the better of me there. I could have got myself in a lot of trouble had I done that. And that's why we've got to understand this walking in the Spirit is something that God has commanded us to do all the time. And especially during the tough times, we've got to make sure we do it. And then that's how we're going to know. That's how we're going to know when to rest, when, we are, when we're walking in the Spirit. Okay? And, you know, and, and, and remember this, too. Okay? Because sometimes people, they've just already they've decided, and preachers can be the worst about this. They've already decided for everybody what's right. You know? And they know, and I'm full of Holy Spirit, and you better listen to me. Okay? You know, and I'm not saying never listen to your pastor and things like that. But at the same time, too, if you're walking in the spirit, you're going to know without me screaming it in your face. You know, you're going to you're going to know what to do. Don't just always depend on me being in the spirit and walk. Because sometimes I get in the flesh. Okay? Sometimes I get in the flesh. I don't know that I was really spirit led for sure. I don't really think I was wrong when the guys did the donuts in the parking lot. And I chased after him like a madman with a, you know ready to pop their head off, all right? I do think I did the right thing there, and that was very successful, and I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say that was of the Spirit right there. I was chasing after him like a demon-possessed man. I was trying to scare him a little bit. But, you know, so I'm, I'm just saying all that to say, you know, don't just depend on somebody else to walk in the Spirit and you follow their lead. You need to walk in the Spirit, too. You need, you, you need to do it, and don't get in this game of, oh, no, I'm in spirit, you're not, you know, I, so they're, you know, and people get in those arguments like that, and it's like, that, neither of you in the spirit in that situation, all right? Okay, neither of you got it right now. I'm the one that's got it, you're both, you know, no, if, if, if you have to tell people you're in the spirit, you're probably not in the spirit. Y'all understand that? If they've got the same Holy Spirit living inside them that's in you, they're going to know it, you're not going to have to tell them. And when you're going around telling everybody you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're probably not filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I listened to a sermon one time. The guy was singing a special, and he just, everybody's just screaming in this. You know, it was a camp meeting. Everybody's just screaming and going crazy, and then he just starts screaming. And he started screaming, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, who does that? He's just screaming, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. It was so weird. These were Baptists too, by the way. But uh, it, it was only audio. I wish I had it on video. But it, it, was, it was pretty good. But there, uh, there's, and we don't have time to go into all the scriptures. But, you know, 
there's a lot of scriptures, too, that the Bible gives about letting God take care of our enemies. And, folks, let's just face it. we got some enemies right now, you know. They're in high places. You know, we've got the governor that, you know, that I, I believe is an enemy to all that is good right now. You know, we got neighbors, you know, call, you know that, that are enemies right now trying to stop things. But, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 10:30, for we know him that said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now, when it comes to vengeance, I would rather act. All right. You know, wouldn't we all rather act? Wouldn't we all rather? But that's where we need to rest. Okay. When it comes, and, and the, you can put this one on a list because it's spelled out in the Bible. Okay. Vengeance belongs to God. Okay? Vengeance belongs to God. We've got to let Him have that. And we don't get to go and just take up arms and just go and making everything right. That's not how these things are supposed to work. But at the same time, do I not want God to destroy? Some of these just wicked people that are out there. Do I not want God to let some of our, you know, people holding office their days be few and let another take their office? You better believe I want that. But do I have any right to go and try to help make that happen? Absolutely not. I don't have any right for that. So that's where sometimes what we just need to do is just say, you know what? I, I there's nothing I can do. I've done all I can. I'm just going to give this to the Lord. And you know, right now. So, you know, tensions are high everywhere, and rightfully so. You know, I mean, when you're watching the news, it freaks you out. When you see the stuff that's going on in the world, it freaks you out. It gets your blood pressure up. It'll really upset you. But, you know, at some point, it's okay if you just get to a point and you're like, you know what, I've done all I can do. I'm just giving this to God. And I wonder, you know, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going to tell you what's right here, but, you know, there are plans for, uh, you know, rebellion going on in Illinois uh, amongst churches that I support, that I am already practicing, okay? Um, you know, I think I'm for that. But at the same time, there may, may very well come a time where we need to say, it's time to just give this to God. And you know what? That could be right now. I hope if that were the case, the Lord would reveal it to me, that he would reveal it to other people who are spirit-filled, and let them know that, hey, you know, now is not the time for any type of action. What I need churches to do is just just chill out and leave it to me. And, and I think to, many, to a certain extent that's what we're doing, you know, because we're not being real open and in your face about what we're doing. You know, we're not trying to make a scene. We're trying to fly under the radar as much as we can. You know, because we're trying to be good to our local leaders who are trying to fly under the radar of state officials that could come and try to undo things that they're they're doing. So, you know, I, I do think what we are doing is right. We're just trying to be a Daniel, and we're just trying to do as, you know, we're trying to go pray as we did before time. That's all we're trying to do. We haven't changed. We're not changing anything. We're just doing the same things. But it, But that's kind of how I believe we need to do it, is just... Let's just try to keep doing what we're doing quietly and just let God take care of these folks. And I, I hope he does it like we see in Jude 1, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I hope he does it like Pharaoh. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and here's the thing. God's proved he can do that, can he? 
hasn't he? God's already proved that. God's proved that he can change the hearts of wicked leaders. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. He did it with Cyrus, king of Persia. Folks, God has done some great things and some good things through very wicked leaders. I believe that's what God did in our country when our country was started. Okay, You can dig up dirt on our founding fathers real easy. But yet they gave us a very good form of government and a great constitution and bill of rights. How did that happen? Same way Cyrus commissioned Israel, you know, Nehemiah to go back and oversee the rebuilding of Jerusalem. You, know, you, you can read the whole bill. You know, when you're reading in Ezra and Nehemiah, it tells you the laws and things that were written. Cyrus was a wicked man who did some great things. You know why? God made him do it. God had his heart in his hand, and God turned it the direction he wanted. And God can do that with our wicked leaders that we have right now. I, I can guarantee you right now, I can't change their hearts. What do you think would happen if I got an audience with Pritzker or Trump or right now? I'm probably going to get in the flesh real fast. You get me in front of Pritzker... Listen up, Fred Flintstone. I'll tell you how things need to be done. Around, you know, that, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to start calling them names. And things. Yeah. It, 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 w- it wouldn't be good. So, you know, it's like, all right, let's, let's show up when we're, when, when we're needed. Let's speak up when we're needed. Let's be a voice for good. But you know what? If you're just like, I just don't know what to do, you know, then cast your care on him. Just give it to God. And just trust him and say, Lord, I have no idea what to do with this situation. I hate it. I think it's wrong. But, God, there's literally nothing I can do about it. I'm in no position to do anything about it. I'm going to give it to you. Boy, if God's people would do that, I think God would help us out. I, re- I really do. But, you know, that type of thing takes faith. It takes more faith, I believe, to just trust God to let him deal with our enemies than it does for you to go take care of your enemies yourself. That actually takes faith. And that's what we need to do. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to take these things to heart. Help us to, uh, Lord, just rely on you, just like we did for uh, the salvation that you gave us. Lord, help, uh, I pray that we'll just uh, look to you and cast our cares on you, Lord, knowing that you, want, that you do care for us, you do want what's best for us. And I pray, Lord, you know, even when all this is over, I pray you'll help us to practice resting in our life and just taking time to think about you and uh, meditate on your word and just uh, stop and enjoy the creation that you've given us and to uh, be better Christians because of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go down another song.